I shop on Wish a lot. <laughs> great way to start a story. Yeah, great way to start a story. Um, they actually sell um, metal on yeah. Wish. They sell precious metals. Now, you kind of have to weigh your pros and cons here, given that it's coming from China, yeah. number one. It's going to take about two months to get here, number two. So you may even forget what you paid for. Number three, could be fake. Yesterday, I received in the mail what I'm to be believed a gold bar about the size of that little nugget there. And listeners, you won't even have a, a glimpse of... Well, wait, wait, which of these? There's um, a... That one right there. So that one's like the size of like two quarters. Yeah, it's a chicken yeah. nugget. I would say it's about a chicken nugget size and it was stamped with Chinese lettering. It was Chinese gold is what it was advertised by. Right. Whether or not... It's real or not is, is one thing, but um, yeah, no, it just, this all just reminded me of like, I don't know, like it sparks something in me. It's just, it's cool. Welcome to Mars on Life. I am, of course, one of your ho- one of your uh, co-hosts, Ryan Mancini. Joined with me, as always, is Sebastian Shug and Matt Fernandez. Andrew's in the middle of moving Hi. right now. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, buddies, how's it going? Howdy, howdy. Oh, where to begin? Listeners are probably already wondering how that how that whole wish thing started. All right, gentlemen. Uh, first off finally have sebastian and matt together which i never thought i'd live to see uh talk about short (laughs) putting that out there first thoughts talk about worlds colliding uh it's like it's like mercury and jupiter colliding more like it Ah, just kidding uh i hate to know what that makes me um hope the the kuiper belt probably or uranus but and i'm gonna say it that way because otherwise i'd really make a joke out of myself you don't like the butt of the joke there's a I'm whole back, new world <laughs> that you haven't explored there, Ryan. A whole new world. Oh, jeez. Either of you can answer this question. Where are we? So we are at... Los Angeles? Unfortunately, yes. Well, that narrows it down. <laughs> so we're at the Natural History Museum. Mm-hmm. A feat of which I haven't stepped foot in <clears throat> since... Oh, God. I remember there was a brief stint where I was a... Uh, camp counselor, like, it, like the position, it was really weirdly titled, but basically we had like these field trips every week or every like, it was like bi-weekly or whatever. And we stepped foot here. I don't think we explored as much as I would personally like to, but mm-hmm. before that, God, I haven't been here in like 15 years. Wow. As a kid. So when I was here was early 2020. No, late 2019. Because they were, it was for the uh, their Halloween stuff they had. Oh yeah, and right now we're actually kind of walking in the garden area, which I don't actually think I've been I've to. Been mm-hmm. no, and I've never been in this entrance before. Every time I've seen it, it's just been like every photo I've seen on Instagram that's or the science center across the way, right? Uh, no, no, because that's the science, science center's right center there. Over there. Okay. That, I think, is part of USC, I'm pretty sure. Oh, fuck it. Yeah. Spend so much on tuition, this is the view you get. Yeah. Okay, gentlemen, we've met our cousins. 
we're getting back to our roots here, it's tools like these that make me really think that we took life for granted. What do you mean tools like these? Like, you mean the like tool, the tools that they had, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah we're we're looking at we're looking at prehistoric humans. Made tools, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we really just we just made more than we needed to. Now, did they write "larger brain made tools" because that's how they thought cavemen would have said it? Larger brain made tools. I feel like I feel like I'm gonna have a stroke just reading that out loud. But when he died, he was five feet eight inches tall. As an adult, he stood over six feet tall. Okay, tall kings went again. This is the first. God human damn it! Oh, the first human species to have short arms, make sophisticated stone tools, conquer fire, migrate out of Africa. Okay. What is it? The Smithsonian Natural History Museum has, like, basically all of the stuff showing prehistoric man, mm -hmm. but it's, like, a whole floor. And it's some of the... It's one of the weirdest things I've seen just because, like, to have an entire exhibition all about evolution, like, our evolution, and, and this kind of ties in with the, the bonus episode we talked about with religion and SCV and how, like, for me, it's things in science are a little more numinous than things I just don't find practical, like man in the sky, but there, there is kind of a, 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 a almost like not spiritual, but you kind of feel like it's a homecoming in right. a way, you know. So uh, you mentioned evolution. I just had to bring this up. But, um, one of the girls I'm dating, she said that one of her science teachers didn't believe, her, one of her biology teachers mm -hmm. did not believe in evolution, and oh. yet was a biology teacher in a, in a non-Christian school. Oh. So, I just had I just had to mention that. Oh jeez. So, this is a replica of Lucy. actual the actual Lucy, who was an Aust uh, Australopithecus. Yes, I can pronounce that. That's my fault. Uh, actually, it's Kenneth Branagh's fault. Lucy is a partial skeleton of a human ancestor lived between three and four million years ago. While her brain was no bigger than that of a chimpanzee. Her bones show that her species walked upright. The species had a spine with an S-curve, and knees close to the center line of the body both indicate an upright stance. And apparently, this was all that they could find of her. I'm assuming, because it's a perfect re replica? Yeah, this is all a replica so of that's, the real... So it's an unfinished skeleton. Yeah. Wow. I wonder if she ever would have, like, if... If early humans have spirits and they go to the great beyond, I wonder what this this human pre ancestor is thinking about us, like gawking over the the remnants of her bones and the replicas of remnants of her bones. Well, she wouldn't be able to understand what she was even named after. Yeah, because she had a small brain. <laughs> she walked upright. That's, That's all, all you need to know. Well, yeah. Okay, I wasn't gonna go there, but yeah. Well, but also, she's named after the Beatles song "Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds." Because when they discovered her, uh, excavators that found her, the paleontologists that found her, had a radio going, and Loose in the Sky with Diamonds was playing in Ethiopia. So, yeah, she used to be the oldest human that we had found, or at least the oldest human ancestor we found, and then, psych, uh, somebody older. So we're entering L.A. underwater. I don't know how we're going to record, because technically, you've got to hold your breath. Yeah, I know. Well, and and... The mega flood hasn't hit yet. Yeah. That was something we were talking about not too long ago. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. What, 
Actually, let me get your thoughts on the whole Mega Flood story. I'm sure you've heard about it. Can you give me just a little bit of context about it? I've been away for a bit. We're all going to burn and die and drown. So, oh, God, thanks. Thanks, so, Lord. Right now, <laughs> there, so there was a uh, scientific study that came out basically suggesting that the whole, the big one that we're expecting, mm-hmm. that could be an earthquake, could be a hell spawn wildfire, could actually be a gigantic flood that probably could fill up the center valley, the central valley of the state. Oh, so you're saying that coastal living is suddenly not the thing to do? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Um, like, precipitation could get really bad between now and 2053. Uh, okay. You mean, you mean I need to learn how to swim? Yes. Okay. We, we, we had talked about jet skis, and Drew was like, we got a doomsday prep, boys, and I was like, maybe. I, I mean, as Will donkey paddling save me? As much as I would probably argue that a good majority of Californians would already want to see the state seceded, a flood was not what I was expecting. You know, given that I've said this multiple times, we are existing on an active fault line. I kind of, I sort of thought that we would go out that way, not the way that Japan did. So you're saying that if we, if we all drown or die in an earthquake, it's our fault? I mean, <laughs> hey, we, we only control the climate. We don't, you know, we walked on the moon. We can't even control the earth. Uh-huh. All right. So we're in the underwater exhibit. All of a sudden, it's a big megalodon, mate. Big old megalodon. I knew a megalodon. It didn't end well for that megalodon. Okay, Statham. <laughs> what the story, Mark? <laughs> So what I'm wondering, uh-huh. amber is fossilized sap, yes. right? Okay. Typically, you see like bugs or like small creatures in it. Mm-hmm. That fly there. Oh yeah. It's not even encased in anything. Oh my goodness. It looks like it just got in there. There's two of them. <laughs> There's two of them. Like, where's the amber? <laughs> like, alert! You know, like what? What's going on here? I... Where were we when we were talking about wish? If memory serves me right, we had just gone in, into the Natural History Museum's gem exhibit. I don't know. Looking at this wall, it's clear to me that I am, I don't know if it's just my ignorance or what. I don't know anything about gems, dude. For context, we're staring at a wall of just gems oh, as just far as the eye can see. Galore, and yeah. I think a lot of people Holy Aunt like, Jemima. I think a lot of people like looking at a case at this display, I think the first thing that would come to the average person's mind is oh, it's in a case in a museum because it's worth something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But unlike silver and gold I can't tell. You know what I mean? Like, And it's one of those things where it's just like, I wish I knew and I guess par for the course individuals that happen to be interested in crystals for I guess their healing purposes it's clearly not what we're looking at but I don't know do they do they garner some knowledge that that I don't possess or but my wonder is if you could like if you see that this is like a quartz variant on amethyst is it like if you swap that out with like a genuine amethyst would any right. of these crystal people even know exactly Exactly. Or would it just be at the, uh, or, at the mercy or could of whatever? You, like, color just random quartz purple and sell it as amethyst, and would yeah. they even know? It it's at the mercy of the rock shops and the crystal shops of what they're advertising it as. Right. Yeah. Because you're not gonna know. Yeah. I mean, it's it's cool, but I mean, I think 
I think I'm gonna have to go with like the average connoisseur look and be like, yeah. is it valuable? I don't know. I mean, like, me, that's. Like, does this <laughs> taste like lemon? Does I'd like to know. <laughs> this orthoclase, it looks delicious. I mean, like as me, that like one looks like a marshmallow. Yeah. yeah. It looks like it, it's a smooth marshmallow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This looks like a Rice Krispie treat if you like put little dots of blue food coloring on it. Yeah. Well, it's it's like. Uh, Pop Rocks. You put Pop yeah. Rocks yeah. on a big that, yeah. That's more what it looks like. You're right. right. And think about this, guys. We're in Los Angeles and we're looking at quartz. Uh, uh, uh. Breaking off in a little bit of a tangent. There is, there is a certain level of knowledge yeah. in a juvenile sense that I do possess. Uh -huh. And that's just from playing Minecraft. Uh. Because I see Obsidian and I'm like, Dragon wait, 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 where'd it go? Uh, I don't think it's here. I did see it, though. They wouldn't know if you didn't tell them. Exactly! Like, I don't... This is, a, this is an audio medium, Sebastian. This is true. <laughs> hey, and there's more turquoise. That's, yeah. That looks different. But the limited knowledge that I do possess from Minecraft, I don't even know if it gives me an advantage or what, but... It's a good time. I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty. I oh, mean, yeah. if, if you're buying it for... Are you handing this for? Yeah. Okay. If you're buying it simply for, like, aestheticism, then... I mean, if I the walkers is... ever come, we know where to go. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just all this to me is, like, someone who's, like, actively dating around right now. It's, like, a warning sign for me. A big red flag is Crystal Girl. I say this as my, my brother's girlfriend, who is a, a lovely young woman, is very into crystals. Mm. But, like, I, I would never. It's, it's a warning. As someone who collects comic books, <laughs> crystals is, like... Why are you wasting your money? <laughs> well, it's, one of, it's one of those things where it's like you look at you look at someone as a collector yourself collecting something else and be like, what is the significance of that? But I'm sure she feels the same way about the hordes of paper that you have. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. So it's one of those things where it's like you may just have to be in the same like social circle of collecting to really like fully appreciate and understand it. I'm trying to think if in the middle here there's some obsidian. I did see it, and I do know what it looks like because it's the only clip there is. No, it's quartz. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. City of quartz. It's a when, city of quartz. When in, when in the city of quartz. You have hematite, you have obsidian, you know what I mean? But yeah. it looks the same. And again, I feel so bad because I bet I sound so ignorant right now about it. I'm going to walk away from the coughing child. But, like, all those, those stones that you just mentioned all look like... Um, obsidian. Yeah. In, in the case of the White Walkers, would they know? Would they know no. if you stabbed them? Well, like silver and copper. Like I would. I, I mean, so, I would have guessed because of the copper. I would have guessed but, that that's copper. The oxidization, but, but the silver. Yeah. You know, like that's true. You you wouldn't know. I mean, I look at that and I'm like, water pop. <laughs> it looks delicious. It's rock candy. Yeah. I remember there was one episode of Cat Dog. When I was a kid, where they're mining for all of these these diamonds, and at the very end, you see this this mole pop out, and he eats the uh, the, the diamond. It's like mm, nothing like a good taste of rock candy, and it's like that sounds delicious. And I I saw all like I started looking at like diamonds and like all these gems and stuff. Ever since that day, it's like, damn, I wonder how good that would taste. Yeah, <laughs> I think a lot of people. Similar to the whole dinosaur phase, I think a lot of people find a cool rock when they're a kid and then just never let it go. Yeah. Well, and, and think of it this way, and I'm, I'm sure it'll 
it might come up again, or probably will come up again in the dinosaur hall, is that, like, basically you're going from inanimate rocks to rocks that were once actually alive with dinosaur fossils. Because they're basically, it, all the bones have been, like, calcified, and, and basically it's just... It's just rocks now. So right. it's fragile, but, you know, they're still rocks nonetheless. So it's that obsession of excavating, finding things, and, you know, putting a label on it, and, you know, what does I'm, it look I'm like? I'm convinced that humans, as we know it, have just not given up the treasure hunting bug. Oh, no. And Shiny rock make monkey brain go yum. Exactly. <laughs> oh, no, I, I mean, I, as... as as juvenile as it sounds, there's a lot of these that I'm like, a lot of this stuff looks delicious. I mean, hell, we walked by a, a rock yeah, back they, there that looked like sell, it had hair on it. They sell, like, candy crystals. That's yeah, a thing. That's a thing. It's playing on the monkey brain. And we got gold over here. We which got gold is, over here. Yeah, well, oh, which is, you got the mother load behind you. Oh, fuck. Yeah. So, it's actually funny. Um, I am, fuck, that's a lot of gold, man. And me being me, you know, if I'm seeing something shiny and I know what it is and I know what it's worth, I'm going to talk about it. Similar to how you and history, Ryan, will just yes. just talk about it. Yeah. Um, no, but <laughs> the <laughs> tangent kind of spurred because we had this room full of gold. It just goes to show, I guess, how people just haven't stopped treasure hunting, which was in our last little segment there. But... That's amazing. Like, how much blood do you think has been spilt over this, this obscene pile of nuggets in front of us? Yeah. Well, and especially in California, that's just it. The violence during the gold rush years was tragic and horrible. I mean, the, the I mean, talk the, about like the people who were would have been murdered over the gold they found. Well, you had a lot of Chinese immigrants that you know, if there was any success with finding gold, they'd get you know kicked out of the out of the stream beds and you know all, any any attempts at like oh hey. You know, we've come to America, and we're, we're actually living in American, the American dream as early as 1848. And to then just be totally removed from that because, oh, you're not, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's the same anti-immigrant BS that we hear today. And the sad thing is that those Chinese immigrants, you know, still trying to find work, figure out what to do now that their gold is gone, that they found and it was rightfully theirs, they would later go on to build the Transcontinental Railroad and then still get nothing. I'm not you know. sure if the light is really doing it any favors here because I can't determine its luster. This is easily over 22 carats of what I'm seeing here. So if you can imagine that, let's say that chunk right there, that yeah. big chunk, is probably worth maybe $22,000. Oh, God. You could, you could readily assume that... And we haven't even looked at the rest of the exhibit here. But what I'm seeing here with like gold certificates and like gold on this scale and like dust and nuggets and well here you got uh, the different like i don't know i guess shade no no shade, these are the different type of carrots yeah, so yeah. carrots are the level of uh, purity that gold has 24 mm -hmm. is obviously it's pure gold 12 carrots that would be 50 percent gold yeah so 12 parts gold 12 parts silver um gold is often put on another like easily more malleable metal yeah um in order to like stick it that's why you often see like gold plated on silver or mm -hmm. silver plated on copper or um you know there's easily over a million dollars in this box is what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> oh yeah it's i mean so and i mean you got a little bit of gold rush history over here uh Going back to what you said, Ryan, about the uh, the American dream and the gold, 
You think, I'm saying this as I'm talking to two white folks, you think that the American dream really is just for the white folks to take everything that the brown folks had and claim it as their own? Oh no, Atmex and, 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 and J&B Bullion or Jam Bullion. I mean, it, ma- it makes it very easy for anyone to just buy gold and have it sent to their house. That is if you're willing to pay over $1,800 spot yeah. price. Oh, lovely. Well, well, and then to go back to what I was saying with what happened with uh, you know, Chinese immigrants, you also had all the indigenous people that were totally booted off their land or just flat out. I mean, there was California, as far as I'm aware, is the only state to actually, and I'm about to get really dark, so I apologize, but California is the only state that has actually had an actual law bending towards genocide in its like actual history, where it was basically like, you know, for the sake of expansion, for the sake of gold, for the sake of just the settling the man. state. Yeah, uh, we're, we're going to just wipe off, wipe off the face of the earth all of these various uh, tribal bands in, nor- especially Northern California. I mean, Southern California was pretty much... There wasn't really gold down here. Well, it was also like the missions had kind of... Are you know, the job? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, like that, and a lot of the bloodlines had kind of gone to, you know, you had basically more like Spanish... The mestizos. Uh, you had more mestizo folks. I mean... The Tatavium in Santa Clarita at this point are largely, to my, what I recall, and I could be wrong, were largely, I think, Mestizo at this point. But this is how you get, like, uh, the Yahi tribe, which they were so wiped out to the point where only one person in their tribe actually was, quote-unquote, discovered in, like, 1911. Mm-hmm. And the guy died, like, five years later from tuberculosis because he was exposed to white man's culture for the first time in his life. So, I mean, it... The tragedy of just finding this rock we're looking at, yeah. as, as pretty as it is, it's like the amount of blood on its on its surface is devastating. So sorry to get dark there on our no, like, fun one trip of, to the one museum. Of the, uh, one of the camp stories, that the ghost stories that I tell, is based on like that idea of, of the white man stealing the Indian's gold and like the concept that the, the native folks have this gold and if, if you don't find it, it's because they've been hoarding it and they've hid it from you. Mm-hmm. So you're just taking what is rightfully yours by some, I don't know, misplaced idea of of manifest destiny, God's chosen people. And to get really inside baseball, if you want to even draw it further back in time and, you know, consider geography and California being part of what's known as Aslan, I mean, this is a long history that's gone back since basically the Aztecs and Mayans. If you're patient like me to some degree... Um, you'll find that shopping on Wish can be very fun. <laughs> uh, shout out to Mauricio Romo for actually introducing me to that way back when. Uh. Yeah, no. He actually introduced it to me in like freshman year of college. I had received um, some gold and silver like ingots or whatever from Wish. The, I guess, authenticity of such is yet to be discovered. However, <laughs> it was like Chinese stamped gold as they're claiming it to be. Um, I mean, if anything, I'm out 10 bucks, but it's one of those things where you can't really feel too bad, even if you are out that amount <laughs> of money because it's so cheap. Um, the silver has been tested to be to be real, but the gold uh-huh. leaves much to be desired because it's been forged and, and by forged, I mean faked haha, for literally <laughs> eons. So, you know, who knows? But it's uh, certainly interesting. But that was sort of my tangent. So, you know, if you got 10 bucks to spare, then by all means, spend it on, spend it in China. 
I would say when in Rome, but we're not we're not in Rome. What is the weirdest thing or the most interesting thing that you've gotten over Wish? Oh, the most interesting thing. Well, I don't buy many things like online. You know, I I'm sort of a collector or purveyor of like a certain amount of things. And most of them are either like coins or medals, respectively. I do have here. Hold on. If you hear this. This is sort of a collection that I have, and probably the weirdest thing that I have in here, that's definitely a spider, is a authentic silver coin of, well, as authentic as it can be. It's just stamped silver. It's a Leonardo da Vinci 1452 to 1519 AG.9991 one ounce coin. It has Leonardo da Vinci's head on the front. And on the back, it's Maya Desnuda. Zuntite. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, here's how it sounds. You can hear that. But, yeah, that's, I mean, as far as, like, weird is concerned, I mean, you can buy anything from books to stationery to fleshlights to uh, um, literally anything, like, Anything that you could even find that's conspicuous or inconspicuous on, like, the dark web. Like, people think that the dark web is just for buying, like, oh, drugs and, you know, hitmen and things like that. But there was this and one... for of... Sam Harris and Dave Rubin to show up. And Jordan uh, Yeah. So, but really, this one person bought a once-in-a-lifetime experience, as it was advertised as. And all it was was a dust buster. It was just a vacuum. So... <laughs> You know, not always illegal, but always disconcerting. I do have a Master Jedi ring. It's it's a fun hobby. I mean, it's it's cheap enough to make you feel like you're not really wasting your money over it, like I said. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's just a matter of, do you have the patience to, uh, <laughs> I guess, play along? I think the only thing I've ever gotten that I've like known is just like a Chinese knockoff or whatever um is i bought a pikachu onesie for camp mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. uh i think my my senior year of college my co and i initially wanted to theme our unit around pokemon like he was he had a charmander onesie so i bought a pikachu one and he ended up not being my co anyway because he dropped like days before we were supposed to go up to camp so i just had this pikachu onesie and it's in storage right now i don't know exactly where it is but it's like it was so warm and it was so cozy and at this point i kind of just want to buy another one new because i'm i'm probably never going to see that onesie again just because it's lost and the the, the dark thing... recesses of... oh sorry go on go on no it's, it's lost in the dark recesses of uh the uh the u-haul storage unit where all of my stuff is but um, you know, it was really cozy, really fuzzy, really warm, and like the kids all thought it was the stupidest yet funniest and greatest thing ever that they've seen at camp. So finally, at long last, uh, the three of us got together and went into L.A. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was interesting. I had yeah. a good time. Definitely, it was enjoyable just hanging out with other adults in my same age range. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was cool to finally uh, continue on sort of where we left off with our 
beloved episode, uh, Sam and Meridian, but with Matt now. So it was cool <laughs> to uh, muse about the traffic and figure out how the hell we were going to get in with parking being what it was. Uh, of course, we got to drive by USC, which jokes abound between the two of you about USC. Uh, that was that was that was all <laughs> hilarious. Oh my goodness! Uh, <laughs> it's just you know. What was it you said, Sebastian? Like, why? <laughs> You're like going to USC. Uh, yeah, why? no, I was just kind of I was I was and still am of the impression that um, that nobody goes to school nowadays for the sake of a degree. It's more or less where you got the degree from, and. Um, Matt, who you went to UCLA, uh, you were talking about like, uh, I, I mean, the the ever apparent rivalry that yeah. I've seen between colleges. I mean, you know, I've seen it. Everyone's fucking seen it. Oh, yeah. But it's just one of those things where it's like it's a college. And the fact of the matter is that I will hearken this argument back to our sports team discussion. If you are sheltering Which one. Your... Oh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if you're sheltering or maybe not sheltering, but harboring your ego in this one sole crux, this one sole factor of life of what to be associated with, in this case, college, if you brand yourself to all get out about your school and formulate your whole personality about where you go to school, I'm, I'm going to need you to consider ample uh, mental restructuring here. <laughs> See, what it is, is it's just an excuse for those colleges to sell more sports equipment and, and merchandising. Oh, yeah, That's what no. this rivalry is. Yeah, I, I <laughs> bet, all I, bet you, I bet you make a killing off of it. But the fact of the matter is, is that, you know, you could be interested in what you're studying and surround yourself with people who very much are in agreement of what they're studying is what they wake up every morning and want to do. The problem is, is why do you have to go to USC to do that? Or really any Ivy League. I'm not discrediting them, mind you, but it's one of those things where I think it's that people, because they pay for the tuition, it's sort of like they've been given an entry ticket. Like they get to brag about it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm not at all bitter because I never applied to any of these schools because they didn't have the programs that I that I sought after, you know? Mm -hmm. So I just kind of scratch my head wondering you know who still does this and why <laughs> they put themselves out there as like a product of the educational environment of usc where they could have been a product of a similar education somewhere else cheaper and would have retroactively got the same experience or at least knowledge hmm it's funny because i had um I, I was taking trying to get rid of some of uh, my prereqs over summers uh, by going to COC just to get them out of the way and to do it for, the, for cheaper than having to do summer school at UCLA. And mm -hmm. one of my professors uh, at COC used to teach physics at UCLA, and he just hated the UC system. So he decided, I'm just going to go back to the uh, community college system where it's more about teaching and more about the students than it is about just getting research and publishing and, and not really caring as much about how your teaching is because that's just kind of a requirement for you to do the research at the university level where you can get the funding. Um, mm -hmm. And this guy, <laughs> oh my God, it was literally easiest class, one of the easiest classes I've ever taken ever because his 
his class was all based on the tests and he gave us the study guide the night before and the test was literally the study guide in that if you just looked at the answer key and then memorized the letters in the order you would get a hundred but still people were getting like c's in that class and they just never realized that like the answer that the practice test is the actual test and the answer key is all the answers yeah it's like it's like ender's game oh yeah this is a simulation no you just wiped out an entire race (laughs) you know yeah if 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 you would have just been paying attention it's one of those no i i I definitely get that but uh, suffice to say if you want to put an even more modern twist on it um who's to say that that entirety of the answer key isn't already available on chegg Mm. yeah and I'm just being honest here. I'm, I'm really I'm not trying to discredit professors and their professorship and what they've worked so hard to do in order to be in that teaching position. The problem is the advent of the Internet has not been their friend. It's been the student's friend. Yeah, that is, if you're willing to shell out fifteen ninety five a month. But I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> if I'm looking at a at a supposed cause, I'm going to I'm going to try to hypothesize the effects. So. For one thing, we entered a part of the museum that, I, as far as I know, none of us have. And it kind of led to a little bit of uh, repetition in terms of where exactly we were trying to go between uh, eventually getting to the dinosaur hall and then realizing, well, let's just start with the prehistoric mammals. And then, oh, we got to cut through the the uh, Becoming L.A. exhibition twice. Um just the rotunda is not a good place to start. It isn't. No, it really, it really isn't. I mean, and especially because, again, at one point in time, you really were going through two exhibit rooms just to get to the rotunda. And then after that, you were just finding your way back out into sort of the main hall. And it's still that way. But the problem is, is that now you've got two exhibits that you're having to go backwards through just to get to the main hall, which feels a little bit like, okay, well then people aren't going to get, people aren't going to get the full scope of what you want them to see. Like if you start in the X ex- in the rotunda and walk into becoming LA, you're skipping all the colonial stuff. You're skipping everything with the missions and mm-hmm. you know, the indigenous peoples. And you're just starting with all the stuff that uh, Santa Clarita loves to talk about when it comes to California history, which is all the fake cowboy stuff that was, not happening except in the 1920s when uh there were silent films and william s hart and all that jazz so it, it's maybe my only critique but i mean otherwise we we made our th- our way through everything of course as listeners have already heard by now uh we get to see the gold uh we love the gold don't we folks uh we also love human evolution right guys uh but <laughs> it was definitely pretty busy and obviously we went on a saturday so uh you know, as Billy Joel would say, it was a pretty good crowd for a Saturday. Uh, if the manager wasn't around to give us a smile because he know it was we uh, that people were coming to see to forget about life for a while. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't think I've done that since Pete's episode when uh, sing us a song. You're the piano man. I know. Right. I, it's I, part of me was thinking to myself, wow, it's a good thing. I. Uh, it's like, oh, what was the it was the I'm I'm the man on the moon from uh, I forgot who the music, musician was, but I remember quoting that song for Pete when he was on all the gems and how much time we spent in the gem room. Uh, and then 
to top it off, coming out of the uh, trying to go back upstairs from the, the the bottom, the deep space exhibit in the observatory, just more gems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we saw lots of gems and rocks and precious metals and fancy dancy, pretty shiny, sparkly yeah. stuff. Mm-hmm. See, this this is the thing I'm noticing. Uh, pay attention to the font. So we're in the we're in the gem room. Uh, we're just gonna give the informal names for now. Uh, and it says specific gravity and hardness. Now. Maybe it's just me and it's my 90s brain kicking in, but that font is very Bill Nye the Science Guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like I'm looking at a Magic School Bus game that I played as a kid, and boy, did I have fun with those. Yeah. Uh, I will say, this chart that we're looking at, well, it's not really a chart, but it's more of a layout. It's a, it's a display. Different, it's a display yeah. of different types of minerals and their, I guess, hardness or, I guess, capability of them. Uh, inflicting a scratch because I yeah. specifically remember like the core memories being unlocked of me thinking to myself oh wow my fingernail can scratch something as hard as talc not knowing the talc or even what my fingernail could do yeah. at you know that age but this was also the first time I was ever exposed to diamonds which are apparently the hardest yep and um yeah, that's probably as close as I'm going to get to actually anything authentic, considering every store in the damn Bay Area is just cubic zirconia or whatever. <laughs> also, the African children. You got to think about them. Oh, yeah. And we got the fluorescence, which this is oh, well, that's beautiful. not even fluorescent. Lights just turned off. <laughs> so which, which rock mm-hmm. gives me the superpowers? Um, you just gotta lick them all and try. Do I lick them or do I crush them or do I like like ingest them? Like, is it like Bioshock? Do I need to like, you know, like hmm, hit myself with them? Also depends on like even like cultural significance because like ingesting historically was a thing. I mean that was I think that was done. I, if I'm correct, I think it was in China. They would actually ingest fossils because they thought it was basically dragon bones and it would give like strength and power and glory they also ate mummies that too which a fun fact kunzite 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 is what's known as an evening stone huh you were not allowed to wear it well you could wear it during the daytime however the the sun would fade it it was more Hmm. of a hey I'm going out for a walk and whatever time period that you're living in where you can easily access kunzite because right. it's shown brighter in the evening. Right. Uh, learn that from Pawn Stars. Not too proud of that fact. However, I do know that it is relatively rare. Hmm. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and, and that's, that's just... See, Mom, watching these Pawn Stars is a good thing. See, and that's just sort of the thing, too. It's like... <laughs> I'm not a gem guy. Yeah. I'm a metals guy. Like, I can look at something and be like, oh, that's, I don't know, silver or whatever. But, like... Unlike gold member, though, you don't like gold! <laughs> but you put me in a room... It's like I said earlier. You put me in a room with a, you know, with any sort of threat my way, I could not tell one stone from the next. <laughs> and maybe that's just my ignorance in the matter, because... Unless it's Kunzite. Unless it's good, then yeah. I'm fine. Yeah, then yeah. I'm fine. But topaz, I mean, I kind of assumed that would be, like, more brown, you know? Like, I never knew mm. it would be, like, a blue. Which is interesting. 
something that we just kept going on and on and on about throughout the day. And obviously it's a valid point, just given the fact that paleontology, excavation of all kinds, you know, archaeology, digging is sort of the primary mode of discovery. Yeah. (laughs) Digging. Just, yeah, you you know, and I dig it. I dig it. I dig it. Yeah, I dig it. Yeah, yeah. Um, fun fact: Sebulba from Star Wars species. He's a Doug. I dig the Doug. Yeah. Okay, so now we're in the Hall of African Mammals, and you had a pretty good question just now. Uh, how dusty are these these things? Like inside these cases. See, from what I understand, and regrettably, I don't have a comedic uh, anecdote here. Oh, I do. So <laughs> that book you've been getting me to read, I'm now living here. I mean, it's right there. It's Doom. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, I mean, this I is what happens. I hate sand. It gets everywhere. Huh. I mean, but from what I understand, they definitely do tender and, like, take care of each of these little dioramas. I know the lion one, they've actually changed a bit. Well, we'll um, get there soon. So, yeah, because right now, I mean, we're looking at the Arabian Oryx. I can't believe they made Dune into a real thing. Unbelievable. And they've done it twice, yeah. and it's, you know, one of, them, one of them is David Lynch's least favorite movie that he's ever made, which he's called, like, a nightmare and a terrible time. Mm-hmm. And the other one is, like, WB's Last Hope. That isn't, that isn't Batman. What was that? The omelets that this big bastard can make. Oh, yeah. Well, I think... Uh, Les Stroud on Survivor Man made an omelet out of one of their eggs, and it was like... He got, I just remember he got really dehydrated from it. Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. The amount of salt that's used in oh, one of those? Oh, God, yeah. So, oh, and not to mention the five-course meal off-camera. Yeah. But, you know... So I think they moved one of the lion yeah. cubs, but the two... Basically, like, the females being all cutesy, they, they added it in. And I want to say the one on its back, they... Put in there recently too or at least recently meaning like within the last three years well first the lions are the only big cats to live in groups while tigers cheetahs and other big cats live and hunt alone lions typically live in prides of about 16 members see there you go pride how <laughs> many lions are in this diorama well i can safely say it's not 16 so false advertising but second lionesses and their offspring make up the majority of a pride Unlike males, most female lions remain with their birth pride for their entire lives. For this reason, pride territory usually, usually belongs to a group of female. Okay, the light was like shining yeah, in yeah. such a way where it's just okay. Zebra head. Oh, dude, there's a zebra head down there. Yeah, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, and that's the other thing. You got like other animal, dead animal parts that aren't uh, maintained to look alive. Oh, there's a a zebra hoof back there, too. And this is the weirdest zoo I've ever been in. I mean, they're, like, right in front of my face, but they're not even moving. Well, hey, it gets even wilder. I mean, because that's the other thing, too, that, for me, at least, always like, getting to walk through here in the North American Mammals Hall. And I know there's another hall that's almost, like... Actually, I don't even think it exists anymore, but... Have you spotted the hyena? Yeah. Uh, Is, uh... And this is the thing that always trips me up is just the fact that the paintings for the dioramas are so good that they really do look like you're just stepping into the world that 
these creatures are in. And obviously, we'll get to the elephants at the end where it really feels... Because there's no window over there. Yeah. Like, That's the, way... the only thing that I remember, like, being here is, like, they did... They have all this glass. Yeah. Which makes me wonder how Ben Stiller got all those things to get out of their cage. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then you That's have the, the New York one. Oh, that's the New York one. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's well, right. in that one, believe me, they have a room just like this, except it's like two or three stories. Mm. It's insane. Wow. And equally as dark as, as the lighting is in this room. So now we're, we're finally down to where you've got the Cape Buffalo and the African elephants. And again, like... You, you forgot the giraffes. And the giraffes. We love the giraffes, folks. Don't we love them? Uh, and, and there's the skeleton back there. Uh... I can't identify it. That's that's my fault. Uh, but it really does feel like you could just step over and it's like you're there. Although, you can't smell the Cape Buffalo. And Which, if you stepped closer, they would probably try to kill you. Yeah, probably, yeah. Or, or they'd be, like, scared out of their wits. Although that one, that one's attentive. That one's, that one's on high alert. You've got like, the baby elephant there, so the, the elephants are not going to be too kindly. Yeah, I mean, well, you got the bull elephant there with the tusks that, like... I mean, for this many animals, that little water hole isn't going to suffice. And it, it's like I said before, I could have sworn that there was, like, water here. Yeah. Like, still water or some epoxy or something to make it look like there's a lake here, but it's all dried up now, so I'm trying to paint the scene as, as best as I can. I'd have to go back to, like, old scrapbooks to see if there was ever anything here. I mean, honestly, I don't even know if this dead, fake dead tree thing was even part of it back right. in the day. It might have been, but I don't recall. Huh. So finally, we are looking upon one of my favorite parts of the museum, the Megamouth Shark, which, uh, as I was saying earlier about the oarfish... This thing has been here at least since I was a kid, which was like 20 years ago. And um, the thing is, is even though these are preserved in formaldehyde, uh, these big fish are basically two-dimensional. And it's to the point where, I mean, formaldehyde is only going to preserve them for so long. So, and plus, I mean, look at the illustration where the, you have the face of the Megamouth. It's also, it's a little hard to tell from the illustration. It's got kind of a flat-nosed face. Does that look like a flat-nosed face? No. It looks like a scream of abject terror. Yeah. Yeah. And that, the, the, the that looks like it could be the next Wojak template. <laughs> like... The realization that, like, this guy is like, oh, shit, I'm in a tube of formaldehyde that has been changed since the 90s. I will say, the fact that they actually still have the eye intact is amazing. Yeah. Because usually they, you know, they pluck it out and it's similar to if you're looking at like a fish skeleton. Yeah. Or it's just a big empty socket. But I'm looking at that and I'm just like, that is more human than I think I'm even comfortable with. than the fact that it's just open, you know. And I know on the website they have a picture of like a live mega mouth and it looks, I mean, it looks more like a, sh- I mean, obviously it looks more like a shark, but yeah. it's... There's something different about the face that stands out from, like, your average... Like, it doesn't look like a mako shark or a tiger shark or bull shark, but... And then, other cool thing, by the way, down at the bottom, the fish... uh, I'll make the story as quick as possible. Coelacanths were used to be considered extinct, Mm -hmm. and then they were found within, like, the last century. 
So it was like, wait, so this prehistoric fish is actually still alive despite evolution? Yeah, I caught one of them in Animal Crossing. It exists. Yeah. <laughs> right where we're... So now we've walked into the Hall of North American Mammals. Now, where we're standing, my dad and I once slept right here in sleeping bags because when I was in Cub Scouts, we spent a night at the museum. Uh, Did you meet Rami Malek? Uh, nope. Oh. No, there was no Rami Malek, but they kept the lights on out here, and it was already mildly creepy in here with all the lights off, but, like, the idea of being in a museum at nighttime as a kid... I'll put it this way. It was a lot more fun in the movie, whereas I feel like if it was here back in the day, it, would, it was a little more like... There's, like, wax dummies that look not so friendly that don't look like Robin Williams. At least you weren't in the bird room. Oh, God. <laughs> also, like, we're looking at the grizzly. There's no way I can take this thing on in a fight. I'm a very competent fighter. Um, I would think more than competent, just given my athletic history. I'm not taking that thing on in a fight. Fun fact, you're not allowed bear mace on an airplane. Why yeah. you would need bear mace on an airplane is beyond me. Because um, of the secret bears. Okay. And if you're flying to Alaska. Yeah, that's fair. We're even more secret bears. Yeah. And Al Pacino. Uh, overall thoughts, aside from everything that was recorded yesterday, we went through the museum a lot faster than I typically go through a museum just because we had a lot to hit. And yeah. we got there a little bit late thanks to my work woes. Like, normally I'll stay and I'll read everything, but I've, like, seen all of these exhibits before, and I think the fact that, like, I feel like I've seen this museum, like, the museum as it is in its current configuration before, and I didn't really feel the need to stop and ogle every single thing in obsessive detail mm -hmm. makes me feel like this museum is a lot smaller than I, I used to, it used to be for me. Like, I remember first time I, I was, I still probably the same size as I was now when I last time I saw the dinosaur room or the first time I saw the dinosaur room. Um, but it just seemed so much grander and larger and, and bigger in scope. Maybe that also might be because it might have been less crowded the last time I was there and it might have been more open and felt like more spacious. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe last time I spent obsessive, an obscene amount of time just staring and reading every single word, but it just felt like the museum has compressed itself for me. So we're currently in the dinosaur hall. Like my first ever memory of the, the natural history museum is before that. Cause of course I grew up in LA. Um, and back in the day around the, probably around 90, 1998, 1997, 1998, it was before my brother was born. So it was definitely before 98, but they had this, this ex exhibition of like animatronic dinosaurs. And like, as a dinosaur obsessed kid, it was like the, coolest thing I've ever seen because it's like it's obviously it's scientifically inaccurate now yeah but back in the day it's like you're watching dinosaurs like move and like how they would have like lived like with jerky animatronic motions of course but like there's photos of me just gawking in awe at this and I I don't know if that kick-started my dinosaur obsession or if it was just another one of the contributing factors after I was already obsessed with dinosaurs so like no, I, I was obsessed with dinosaurs till about second grade. Um, and then I kind of outgrew it, and I don't know what else what I was obsessed with, but, like, 
the, the museum was very different back then. Like, the dinosaur oh, yeah. exhibit was, was not this expansive and not this cool. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's my story of, like, of, of the first time I really remember being in this museum. I don't really remember much else. I do remember, like, the dioramas. Yeah. Um, I was not terrified of the bird room yet. That came later. Uh, but just, that, it was so magical just seeing these... They were probably really shittily animated back then, but like I, I can't remember it, and I wouldn't have cared because I was seeing dinosaurs. To my knowledge, they've really gone out of their way to give you an even more full, wider scope of the entire history of the dinosaurs, and obviously expand it to give you some of the greats, but also give you a little bit of different creatures here and there, um, as well as fossilized poop, <laughs> uh, which is one of the things on the wall over here. Is Isn't it called Yeah, yeah. So we walk on in, and the first thing you see is, of course, the big Triceratops, which, I don't know. To me, it's always been hard to decipher whether or not Triceratops would have been a... a I figured they would have been, like, elephants, where it's, like, you could probably get up close and, like, touch them, but yeah. don't piss them off. I, I don't know if I was talking about it with you guys, but it's, like, just looking at, like, you compare how a hippo skull looks and how it actually like looks on the real animal. And then you look at a beaver where that tail doesn't look anything like the bone structure suggests. It's like, no, we were talking about this. Yeah, yeah. Pod. But it's like, how, how wrong are we with our, our perception of dinosaurs? Like, what, what if those weren't actual horns? What if they were just like floppy nubbins or something? What if, they, what if they were like just the anchor points of like fleshy nobules that could like wiggle around like tentacles it's also like again with considering how long dinosaurs lived to those millions of years it's like what if they had complex speech what if they had like civilizations that we just haven't uncovered because they've been destroyed over millions of years well i think what if they had buildings my god i, I mean my thing is is like because i i agree it's like how i mean obviously when it comes to like the size of like brain cavities and stuff we have an idea how oh hey look there's the pork one oh shit <laughs> with, like, brain cavities being the size that they are. I mean, like, Stegosaurus. The running gag right. has always been, oh, it's got the brain the size of a walnut. It, I mean, it's... And obviously Jurassic Park kind of played with this idea with Velociraptors being like, oh, maybe they were smarter than dolphins or whales or primates, which... I, you know, I don't know about that just because their Velociraptors were a little bit different than the actual creature. They were more like Deinonychus. Yeah. Um... But, oh my god, poor child. Um, but anyway. She wants course, to see the dinosaurs. I mean, they're taking her away from the dinosaurs. Oh, wait. Sebastian. Sebastian. Yeah, we'll catch up with him. This is what you were talking about. The what? This is what you were talking about. How, yeah. um, like, excavators, they don't always know what it looks like. So, to your point, I think this is something new. Because, obviously, it's a new head. You know, yeah. in, in contrast to what they have with the old one. So, wanted to add that. It's saying that they didn't find the actual head and they were just making a guess. But what if, like, you had a human head? Yeah. <laughs> like, on this giant thing. You just have a very large, like, it's just baby a, head. It's just a bunch of humans just tied together, <laughs> human centipede together, you know? But you don't know. The Jurassic Park 3 Super Predator, people think it's actually more like just this big, dumb crocodile. Yeah. It just floats in the water and just like, hey, look, food, yum. Like, it looks more majestic based on how we think it looks now yeah. compared to how it looked in Jurassic Park. Like, 3. the spine could honestly have just been a hump. 
Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's a T-Rex. This, this, this is... This is why we love these things. Mm -hmm. Steak knives for teeth. Literally. What makes me wonder is why they choose to keep in most of the like the sediment filling for like its eyes and nose and mouth because assuming you can pick that away which yeah. would take an awful lot of time to do that's just a that's just a hollow cavity right but my theory and i could be dead wrong here my theory is that they leave it in there so that it can actually hold the weight of whatever the hell is on there yeah well, it's also how I mean. Obviously, this is more of a. Re I think this is. This is a recreation. Yeah, yeah, but like. It's together, maybe that authentic. Oh look, we dug it up. Yeah, we dug yeah. it up, but we couldn't be fucked with picking out the rest of the nose and the eye cavities, even though it's a skeleton. It's hollow by definition. Yeah. So. To go on to the uh, back to the the discussion about <laughs> dinosaurs are weirder than we know. What if this bastard had a mustache? Yeah. What if well, it had hair? And and this is what well and that's the idea that T Rex probably had feathers. Yeah. You know, avian dinosaurs, like, typically... Like pterodactyls, you know? Like they would... Well, they were flying reptiles. Ah. Yeah. I but see. with uh, more reptilian dinosaurs... Or not reptilian, but, like, more carnivorous dinosaurs, they were more... The idea is that they were probably more related to birds. Mm -hmm. um, so they probably had feathers, whereas Triceratops probably didn't. Um, but one of the creepy things, too, with T-Rex is that because of the serrations in the teeth... Like, meat scraps would be stuck in those serrations. I mean, hell, with those arms, how could you, how, how would you floss? How would you brush? I mean, come on, T-Rex. Like, clean, clean up your room, you brush your teeth, comb your mustache, you know, like... I see all these young T-Rexes not clean up their room. Anyway, um, but because of the, the yeah, meat... the, the insane plaque buildup, you, oh, you start God. to wonder if whether or not the plaque buildup calcifying over time they're thinking oh that's a tooth when really it's it's not well and the tooth is right next to it the one that they destroyed because they <laughs> thought it was just this crap in the middle so really because the teeth are already so uneven as it is so it's safe to say that spot right there and listeners you know you can't you can't tell what i'm pointing at here but you look at these gaps in yeah the in teeth the and you start to think well they're not even by any stretch of the imagination. You start to wonder if the people excavating it accidentally excavated the teeth, thinking that it was just sediment and buildup and think things that they can chip away at or they thought that they could chip away at. But on top of that, because of the meat particles and, and left, basically leftover meat getting stuck in the teeth and in the serrations, you're building up a bunch of bacteria. So yeah. it's kind of like if a T-Rex bites you... Yeah, it's like a Komodo dragon. T-Rex bites you, you're pretty much... So, Ian Malcolm would not have survived the first Jurassic Park movie. And that's what happens, spoilers for anybody who hasn't read the first book, Ian Malcolm dies. because he he's back in the second book. Yeah, because, uh, retcon, because Steven Spielberg was like, bring him back! Um, <laughs> he's popular! That's, that's what kills Ian Malcolm in the first book. Again, spoilers for a book that's been out since, like, what, 1990? It's because, you know, T-Rex was probably one dinosaur you wouldn't want to get bit by so i mean i wouldn't want to get bit by any of them <laughs> we got our buddy al over here say hi say hi to al it's not al as in big al, al but it's al there you go that's got it there is an allosaurus named big al by the way in uh i'm pretty sure it's in wyoming and 
Walking with Dinosaurs did a whole spinoff on that particular Allosaurus. Uh, I think it's called The Ballad of Big Al. I kid you not. I hate that. How, I hate how, that. How, how come? How come? Why do you hate that? The Ballad of Big Al. Too many owls in the word. Like, in the name. Just... Hey, at least it wasn't Allosaurus. The Ballad of Big Al, the Allosaurus. I, I don't like that. <laughs> and if he was in Alberta, it would have been even further I, I'm, insanity. I'm, I'm walking away from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Allosaurus alive, the Battle of Big Al, the, Al- the Albertan Allosaurus. Okay. <laughs> Dude, he's just sleeping. He's just sleeping. Yeah, he's just sleeping. Yeah. He's going to get up any minute. He's going to okay. get a wicked and, neck uh, pain. Yeah. I mean, I, that, sometimes I sleep like that and my neck feels the same way. Yeah. And the, when I first saw the LA exhibit, it's a big exhibit. It's it's several rooms, and there's a lot to look at and a lot to read. Mm. Um, but I'd seen it all before, and like I knew for me what the highlights were, and I wanted to go look at those. Like the uh, the big model of LA in the 1930s um, was something that I really liked looking at, and I was trying to like get to there and take a look at it and see which places I recognized. All right, gentlemen. So at last, we're at the start of the. Currently, we're observing Ryan open up the map. He's, yeah, he's giving you map ASMR. <laughs> uh, 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 so, yeah, we're in the... Yeah, becoming Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, yes, so. L.A. Love it or leave it. Smashing. Do you really want me to answer that? I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> I, I know your answer. Um... Strings leading you along, showing you a little bit of the weird, wild history of the state, starting obviously with conquest and settlement and whatnot. Um, so, one of the things about the old LA exhibit was that it was full of dioramas, like mm-hmm. the one right over there where it right. says the founders. Just tiny, tiny little things. Little, little things, little people. Little people, people in history. Uh, there's one diorama that's actually hidden behind the grizzly bear. Okay. I didn't know until the last time I was here, uh, which was December, or not December, but late last year. Um, I mean, anyway, we can keep moseying. Yeah. Look at all the missions. Santa Barbara, oh, wow. San Diego, San Luis, San Juan Capistrano. Yep. I don't see the one that I did. There's San Fernando. Say that again? You did the... The only one I've been to is San Luis Rey. Okay. Because that's in Oceanside. That's where my cousins live. I've been to Santa Barbara. I've been to La Purisima. And I've been outside of San Fernando. um, I keep forgetting we have a San Fernando. Yeah. It's like $4 uh, entry, though. Ew. I found that out during my travelogue episode. It was like, oh, $4. I'm not going to pay to get in there. In this weather. In this heat. I don't think so. I don't want to give money to the Catholic Church. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. That's my parents' job. As far as I know, the whole mission project thing is, like, Dead. I don't think happening anymore for no. kids. No, because it's colonialist history. Yeah. Right. Why are we glorifying this? Like, don't get me wrong. The buildings are beautiful. But that's about it. Like, mm. it's... And it, at the end of the day, it's, it's teaching of history yeah. and, you know, it's... I've gone to church at San Luis Rey. I mean, it... Not yeah. in the actual building, but like right next to it. They they repur- they built another building that's actually where they hold mass and everything. And like oh. I've been there, 
I think I've set foot inside the actual mission just because we were there. Okay. But, like, I didn't care, honestly. <laughs> like, even back in the day, I just, I never cared about the missions project. And we didn't have to do it in fourth grade. Yeah. Our teacher let us do, like, an independent study project. So we picked out, um, we picked whatever we wanted to. And, like, this is me in the very early inklings of, like, oh, I like marine biology. Uh, I did the, uh, the Monterey Bay and all the animals in there. Yeah. They had a cool-ass project. It was great. Um, had one of those big, giant trifolds things. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, no, I just... I never had to do the missions project. I'm so glad I didn't do it. Because yeah. it sounded so boring and so colonialist. So, uh... And so revisionist history. Speaking of colonies, we're, we're taking a look at the diorama where it says the founders of Los Angeles in 1781, uh, back when it was El Pueblo de Nuestra Señora de la Reina de Los Angeles, uh, the town of Our Lady, the Queen of Angels, which it's kind of weird when you think about it, how we, we basically got from Los Angeles City of Angels when... It was the, la- the Lady of Our Angels. Yeah. Well, it, it, it basically, the, the shortened is the Town of Angels. Calm your, calm your britches there, L.A. Like, take it easy. Imagine writing that on, like, an address, on, like, an envelope. The town of Our Lady of the Queen of Angels, comma, zip code. <laughs> uh, comma, California, then zip code. I mean, it's, yeah, it's... So, would the, would the, would the abbreviation at that point be C-O-L-Q-A, Tolka? Tolka? I mean, you'd think, but, you know, it's... Oh, my God, I'm going to Tulpa, my guys. Like, ugh. <laughs> oh. Our you know, vacation. Talking a little bit about the diversity in the city back in the day and, you know, moving on into sort of the, the post-statehood Okay, now era. let's get to this diorama. I didn't, We've I got to the grizzly bear with the diorama that I found the last time it I was here. Like Winnie the Pooh. It looks so friendly. It's, I mean, this, but you know he would paw your face off if you got a chance. This bear is so photogenic, it's, it's not even funny. Oh, there we go. There's, I've never seen this one. So this is kind of, I think, intended to be a recreation of a famous painting of a bunch of vaqueros trying to pull down a grizzly bear. People spend, like, hundreds of dollars at, like, craft stores and like Michaels and things like that in order to just put together these dioramas. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's just, that's just the coolest thing. Oh no, I love these. I was obsessed with these as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's like how they used to make um, those little peep show boxes. Yeah. yeah. Which is so cool. So now we're in that wonderful corner of the of becoming a Los Angeles where we've got Harry Chandler, one of the publishers of the LA Times back in the day. Of course, next to the Flores Magon brothers, who were uh, rabble-rousing anarchists in Mexico that Chandler would not have been a fan of. The one on the right looks like RDJ. Yeah, a little bit. Okay, so gentlemen, what are we, what are we taking a look at here? It looks like a giant ofrenda. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Uh, the assimilation of a multitude of different cultures and religions. Um, I feel like we should have like some sort of visual aid, but I know that that's probably not possible. Oh, on Instagram. It oh, on Instagram, right. yeah. Oh, look, Sulu. Yeah. You got Sulu, you got Tom Bradley. So you got Ruben Salazar, who's like one of the LA Times' famous reporters from over the years because he covered the... Chicano Moratorium and was killed by LA County Sheriff's deputies while 
covering them. Homeboy Industries has made an appearance in this offerenda. And uh, you got a zoot suit. Heal the Bay. Watts Towers. Mm-hmm. I see somebody else that I think might be a former Mexican president, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Luis Rodriguez, who we've talked about on the show before. He ran for governor and, well... Um, no, this is beautiful. I mean, I remember being here before they had this, when it still looked mostly like everything else. And actually, like, getting to come and see this was like, oh, okay, they finally... Like, you have an L.A. exhibit that, accept, that accepts, like, this is L.A. This is what it all is about. Is this uh, added to frequently, or is this just a standalone? Just I'm pretty sure it's just standalone. Okay. Trying to pick out the more current items of the era, but... I think you might be right I think the most one. current mm. thing would probably be Homeboy. Industries. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. And you got P.O. Pico and his family up top. Um, trying to see what else, or who else, rather, really. You'd think maybe they'd have something for Nipsey Hustle, but I don't even see that. Well, because well, Nipsey's death didn't happen until after this was put up. Pretty sure, yeah. And as far as I know, since COVID, this hasn't changed or been updated or anything like that. So, no, this is, it's always been a beautiful site. Well, if the Natural History Museum is declared COVID not a threat, then... So we're now in the Nature Center, and it says smell me in front of us. I'll take the plunge. Oh, my bad. We're still not. <laughs> you probably still smell. That... I don't smell anything in the hyssop. Oh, the lavender smells good. You smell the rosemary. Yeah, that that does smell like lavender. Virginite, I can smell. Um, The hyssop, I cannot, unfortunately. Or maybe I'm just... No, I can smell that. I can smell it. Oh. My God, it's like I just walked into a Sprouts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's interesting, yeah. Because, like, you know, the whole idea compared with how it was in the past was let's have an area that's a little more local and give kids an idea of what the local wildlife is like, you know. Which was why, as a a kid, I did the desert diorama because where do I live, Sebastian? Where you like to famously say I live. Tatooine. Or uh, Barren Wasteland. Or... uh, Close. Fallout New Vegas. Close. Oh, man, there's so many synonyms. The Uh, desert. Or the desert. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a season one throwback. Yeah. I mean, and at this point, I just say prison. It's literally <laughs> just a desert prison. And we have them. Yeah. Is that 818 a reference? Probably. It has to yeah, be. It has to There's be. no way it's not. Yeah. yeah. You're not going yeah, to call it's me. Oh, I thought it was like in the name, like, six two, like 818 Mediterranean House Gecko. Like, you don't call it a 626 Mediterranean House Gecko. <laughs> Oh, my, my favorite. Ugh. I love these. So now we're looking at a bunch of pickled spiders. Spiders don't scare me so much as snakes do. Oh. I hate spiders so much. There's so many black widows in my house right now. Um, I've, just been, I've been murdering as many as I can. Oh, I'm sure, sure the museum loves that. Oh. 
I'm, I'm, I'm in Matt on this one. I, spiders, uh, It really reminds me of this time where I got this, like, gel ant colony thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if, if any of y'all had this, but it was, like, this blue gel ant colony where the gel itself provided the nourishment for the ants. Hmm. And I thought to myself, oh, well, I could just get any ant off the street and put it in this thing. But no, apparently you have to order the ants separately. Oh, okay. And these ants bite, and they came in a test tube. You put the ants in the gel, and then they, they make little tunnels, and you get to see them live make these tunnels. Yeah. Until they all died. Yeah. Um, then you just have a bunch of dead ants. But, yeah, no, this, this reminds me of that. It's pretty cool. It's weird. I was on a walk recently, and I swear I oh, saw a spider twerking. Here we go. You know the blue lobster meme that's been going around recently? Yeah, oh yeah. Here we go. Oh, jeez. I'm just waiting for one of them to, like, just... Oh, he's looking right at me. Oh, he's he's looking at you like, hey. Looking for him to just, like, snap one of his pincers. <laughs> that is the coolest damn thing. And there's another one back there, too. Yeah. It's like, hey, this is my rock. <laughs> oh, turn to crab. Look at that. See, now he's, like, in a more threatening position. Like, he's way more over the rock now. And it says, put on your nature eyes to look closely at us, but tapping the glass can scare us. I kind of want to just tap the glass at this point to make him, like, back off. Yeah. <laughs> I figure just making hand gestures, he might, like, freak out, but he's, he's just kind of chilling. I mean, if I just put my finger on the glass, no, it doesn't do anything. Okay. Well... Yeah, I could pretty much beat up a lobster if I wanted to. <laughs> That's the key takeaway. Hey, Mrs. Doubtfire did it. Why not? Okay, so these are the ants. Oh, They're okay. Just standard red ants, or if they have a more scientific name, I guess I'll use that. Um, these are the ants that would come in the test tube to be put in the little gel. Um, with the the gel material that the ants would like make tunnels, tunnels through and you yeah. can visualize it yeah it's right. really bitten cool. by one of these things one time it hurts yeah, these ants are everywhere in I SCV see, I remember seeing this one I remember seeing this one video of a guy he put his bare foot in ant lion's den and you could just see the ants like spread oh it was kind of aesthetically pleasing but he didn't <laughs> show any signs of pain so I think he just kind of as they say, do it for the vine. Yeah. Look at that. Oh, hey, you got a little... Yeah. Yeah, so this is exactly what it was. They would go in, like, these little tunnels. Got a little tube that takes it to, like, one area where they're all congregating, and then another one. Huh. And then we walk over from the ants, and I think there's a turtle. There's... Some little fish and a turtle. That's a big one. Holy crap. Uh, yeah. Seen a he's right there. Oh, he's. he's See, he doesn't have to pay taxes. Look how happy he is. Yeah. What is? What What is the turtle doing? It's like they're di- the tur- turtle's digging back here. Which is nothing to dig. He's like stretching. Maybe. Yeah. Well, he's just sunning himself right now. Yeah. Now he's looking at us. Oh, there he goes. Oh wow, yawning turtle. I've seen a snapping turtle. Never seen a yawning one. <laughs> We did see the House of the Dragon exhibition, and uh, to put it bluntly, it was very, eh, it was just, okay. I mean, it that's failed pro- to whelm. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll put it this way, and this is the most that I'll say about Game of Thrones as a franchise, as a whole, is 
while it's very cool to go back to that universe with a new series, it's still a prequel series, and it's still kind of like, okay, just it, it's it looks like Game of Thrones. And last I checked, yeah. people didn't like Game of Thrones, but now people like it again. So like it's well, we just didn't like me, season eight. No, we just I know, didn't but like season eight. But there were also a lot of people that because they didn't like season eight, it soured their perception of the entire series because it and it in their mind, it's kind of like the arguments that I sort of lean into when it comes to the Star Wars sequel trilogy, which is it starts off fairly strong and then it just goes nowhere. Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, it's the same kind of argument. I didn't hate the last season. It was indeed rushed, but I didn't mind it for what it was worth. And I kind of look at a prequel series and just feel like, is this too soon? Is this necessary? You know, kudos for Matt Smith. I hope he's coming back in Doctor Who next year. But, I, you know, like it's 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 anyway. The point I'm trying to get at is um, almost a month ago. Uh, well, almost a month ago, still within the month of August, uh, on August 4th, uh, Jessica Gelt at the LA Times had a great article basically saying, uh, just to quote the headline, a new Game of Thrones inspired ex- uh, exhibit at LA's NHM is the worst kind of marketing. When I was invited to attend a, pr- a preview of a temporary exhibit at the museum titled House of the Dragon, the Targaryen Dynasty, I figured NHM and its collaborator, HBO Max, would be good at excavating, huh, there's that word again, the fabricated fantasy of the premium channel's mega-hit show. I imagine the likes of giant dragon skeletons, a virtual reality dragon ride, and ancient gems, tools, costumes, and ephemera from one of Hollywood's most beloved fictional worlds. I imagined wrong. Uh, the exhibit is an underwhelming promotional ploy, unspooled in a large, in a room large enough to hold more than one giant dragon head and a replica of the Iron Throne made famous by the original eight-season epic, upon which... The prequel House of the Dragon is based. There's a line to sit on the throne, and everybody who does so is clearly mugging for a TikTok video or Instagram selfie. Good thing entrance is free with your ticket to the museum. I hope winter is coming to freeze out the relentless churn of these types of pop-up exhibits, which use the legitimacy of a museum or gallery space to ride a pop culture hit or beloved artistic figure for dubious purposes. These experiences are akin to staring at an advertisement on a billboard. Oh, wow, this is interesting. I'm talking to you, immersive Van Gogh, Frida Kahlo, and Monet. I've got you in my sights, Museum of Selfies. I'm not just being grumpy. I legitimately love Game of Thrones, and I'm a huge fan of NHM. Its new LA Underwater special exhibition looks riveting, but the current GOT slash NHM collaboration is a bit of a red wedding for both entities. Listeners can hear what my thoughts were in terms of the the Jurassic Worldification of a beloved institution like the Natural History Museum, um, but that's okay because we survived off our dad jokes, right, gentlemen? Uh, you <laughs> ought to con- believe it. <laughs> For context, season one of House of the Dragon allegedly cost over two hundred million to make, in comparison, season one of Game of Thrones cost sixty million to make. Now, with that being said, like we don't necessarily know how much of that budget went to the marketing but back when game of thrones was still in its kind of heyday um Mm. at ucla we had this thing called geek week where the university would bring in a bunch of different um like activities for a week that would celebrate like pop culture and kind of help to pep up the students and be like oh look our tuition is worth something hooray so at one point 
HBO came in and they took over an entire couple of basketball courts at the gym to set up this um it, it was like a, an escape room type experience where you solve some puzzles and go through different rooms that are inspired by different HBO properties and then at the very end you got your photo with the iron throne and then you got to pick one free merch item considering that this was at a, a university where they probably didn't pay too much to have it done and it was only accessible to university kids for free and you had to be able to you had to be a student to get into the gym compared to something as big as the natural history museum where folks are going in from around the world to see this place and you're seeing this exhibit like Mm -hmm. you really could have tried harder (laughs) you absolutely could have tried so much harder with this like this is minimum effort from you guys at hbo it gets a little bit better when it comes to some of the interesting, uh, which is putting it very mildly. Uh, I'll put it this way. Some of the controversial development, recent developments with the museum, because other than you've got the HBO uh, slash museum slash Game of Thrones slash God knows who else is promoting the hell out of it uh, exhibition in the front, which I should note, that's a, a pretty nice area of the museum that is typically used for promoting more pop cultural adjacent items and artifacts. Like whenever there's dino, uh, the dino fest, they'll have a bunch of Jurassic park themed vehicles in that little area where we recorded our final thoughts on, uh, the game of Thrones exhibition. So it's in that spirit, but at the same time, like if it's something like Jurassic park, you can see why there's something to that that would make a hell of a lot more sense at a museum than something for Game of Thrones. All right, so uh, House of the Dragon, Game of Thrones, uh, it's here. And, uh, you know, the Times had a review basically saying this was bad marketing. We just walked through it, and before I say anything, because uh, I actually don't have that much to say for once in my life, what, do you guys, what did you guys think of uh, this? I am not whelmed just seems very incongruent with the rest of the museum i mean it's cool that they're like dabbling into fantasy to some degree to like mesh with the already real exhibits but i'm looking at the top of the house of dragons and i'm like that's a real skeleton of a whale juxtaposed of a fake dragon skull yeah I, I don't really see the point, personally, yeah. but, I mean, it's cool to look at if you're a diehard fan of the show. I'm not. Yeah. Like, the, the Iron uh, Throne is a really cool photo op, especially oh yeah. if you like Game of Thrones, and I do. Like, if I didn't ha- already have an Iron Throne photo, I would absolutely have, like, made y'all stand in line with me. <laughs> but I already have my Iron Throne photo back from the OG show, so it's like, uh, I was kind of hoping that they'd, like, have more stuff to look at and read, but... Nah, this ain't it. Yeah. I mean, like I said when we walked through, and I think I said it earlier, it's it's the Jurassic Worldification of a museum that I'm like, what what's cooler than a T-Rex? Two oh, T-Rexes. a big fake dragon skull. No, two T-Rexes, yeah. Well, yeah. and that's just it. The Hall of Dinosaurs has three. Oh, well, so they've got me beat. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> like basically, it, they, they, I'll put it this way. It's like, oh, Jurassic World, oh, it's... What's cooler than a T-Rex? Well, that's just it. They already did it in the Lost World with three. They did it too. They did three T-Rexes. How do you one up the one? You get three. So, uh, I guess if we had to give a letter grade to the Casa de la Dragon uh, exhibit, what would we? What would we give it? 
D for dragon dick. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that, yeah. That's, it's uh, not an F because the Iron Throne is cool to look at. You could definitely see that they try. Yeah. yeah. To put and, something together. And the props, like the eggs and the clothing, it looks nice. It's yeah. cool. Like the one It's not an F, but it's, it's, not, it's not even a passing C. I think it's, it's like, one of those things where I mentioned in a previous episode where... People just couldn't let it go. You couldn't detach from the fiction. You had to set up an exhibit. It's like, mm-hmm. and the question is why? Because it doesn't fit within the confines of the rest of the museum. Because yeah. what you're looking at didn't exist, doesn't yeah. exist. It's like if you came here like, just for this, right. and only this, I'd be so mad. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're here for the purpose of exploring the museum and enjoying yeah. each other's company and for Ryan to facilitate the Matt Sebastian meetup. Oh, yeah. So I feel like we, we got more value out of just the day so far and we're still going we got more value out of the other 95% of the museum the overall exhibits the real museum the real museum and we still haven't gotten to the bird room yet oh god okay we we absolutely have to record something about the bird room oh you better believe it Jerry just because of how much we've talked about it oh yeah I should point out too and this is my other sort of conundrum now that I'm really thinking about it Game of Thrones is a very mature series. And there is some really dark stuff that happens in this show. And I'm not going to try and make the the rest of the episode about Game of Thrones, but this is a a point that I feel like ought to be addressed. You know, the show has shown everything from massacres to beheadings to sexual assault to torture to, you know, graphic nudity uh, orgies, alcoholism, uh, battles the size of which you could only fathom from like the age of Rome and Greece and Egypt, uh, or Braveheart or something. But I, I get the pop cultural element, but when you've got a bunch of like five-year-olds that want to sit on the Iron Throne, kind of begs the question, do those five-year-olds know what the hell that, ex- the, that exhibit is about? Oh, I was telling Sebastian the same thing yesterday. Like when, when we were after the, uh, the gift shop it's like there's kids going in here who like absolutely should not be watching game of thrones and uh, to which sebastian said that like i i was giving the parents too much credit <laughs> yeah no um similarly to how young children when when squid game was all the rage when young mm. children were watching that and really only because of the red masked individuals like the I don't even know what they're called anyway. Um, but like, ooh, circles and, and squares and triangles. Like, it, it was one Geometric of those Geometric shapes, ooh. Exactly. I, know, I know what that is. It was That's one of those triangle. things where... It was one of those things where sort of the... And I'm not sure if this is me being... I'm, I'm not sure if it's just pop culturally insensitive or just culturally insensitive, but the whole aesthetic of Japan is very colorful. Right. And it lends itself. And it's not even Japanese. It's Korea, right? South Korean. Yes. Yes. Korean. My apologies. The aestheticism of South Korea is actually very colorful. And it lends itself into Squid Game as a whole. And I'm going to circle it back once again. My sentiments towards the whole Squid Game argument and tying it into the Game of Thrones argument in regards to the audiences that should be watching it is Yes, yet another comment found on Wish for these. Oh, I knew for, it. Yeah, for these uh, the uh, the red soldiers. You could actually buy like keychains or dolls. 
off of uh, off of the app. And one of the comments said, I really enjoyed Squid Game. My daughter got really into watching it, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, lady, do you do you know the context of the show that you're watching, let alone that you're watching that you're letting your offspring watch? It's like when when adults went and let their children see the first Deadpool movie, and then all of a sudden now their children are aware that pegging is a thing. I mean, it's like you, yeah. you stamp the Marvel logo on it, and of course people are going to be like, oh, we we got to catch up with what's going on in the MCU. we got to go see Deadpool, even though it's not it's even clearly even been part of that said part of the not movie. to let your children come and see this movie. Like Ryan Reynolds is like, hey, don't bring your kids. Yeah. When I did work at WB, there was a holiday party where off in a corner, they had kind of a mini Game of Thrones themed. I don't even know what you'd call it, but it was in a lot of ways. It was actually almost exactly like what we saw yesterday. The difference was they were playing the Game of Thrones theme on a loop. And instead of the iteration of the Iron Throne that we saw with all the extra swords lying around, it was more the the sort of minimalistic one that we saw from the original series mm-hmm. and where it's just the throne and you know you've got banners with the the family emblems on it uh you could get mead and beer like right across the way there were torches <laughs> like it was it was honestly it was actually pretty cool like compared with what we saw it was actually more authentic to the show than what we saw yesterday yesterday was like oh what if game of thrones was part of our world and let's pretend it's something we can make into a modern day museum exhibition. Right. But even then at, at WB, it was kind of like, well, this is just for the like the mega fans who work here. Keywords, the fans who work here, meaning WB and HBO employees who can basically do what they haven't probably been able to do and likely will never do again, which is. Because by that point, I I honestly don't recall if the prequel had already been announced. This was December 2019. We're having sort of one last moment with this franchise. And that's that, you know, moving on. And so, mm-hmm. but again, adults, employees, not families showing off their three-year-old on a throne made from swords from the fallen enemies of King's Landing. So I, I just... <laughs> And, you know, the, the end of this episode will be testament to it of just our, our total thoughts with the whole affair. But um, but anyway, moving on from that, if you would uh, like to check your guys's chat, I, I've been. Oh, no, I saw I saw it. I'm just <laughs> actively <can't>. ignoring <laughs> uh, oh, Wish dot com rappers. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is haunting. That is vile. Snoop cat. Kanye East, Big Wayne, Past, Josh, One Pack, Pre Malone, The Adult, Twenty Five Cent. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You've been listening to Mars on Life. Look up our show on Instagram and Twitter by searching at Mars on Life Show and give us a follow. Tune in to the latest episodes and bonus content from our show wherever podcasts are found, including Anchor, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. Also, don't forget to head on over to the official Mars on Life YouTube channel to like and subscribe our work. This show's artwork, Happy Mars, is by Zachary Urberich. 
while our intro and outro is Space Explorers by Kevin McLeod. If you keep going, you'll make it to Mars. <laughs>